It's my great joy and privilege to introduce to you, for those of you who don't know him, uh, Mark Eikus, who's going to share uh, on our first theme of Advent, the theme of hope. Last week I said love, but I was wrong. Love is always right, but uh, sometimes it's not love week. Sometimes it's hope week. So Mark has come uh, with a good word for us from Bosnia, along with his wife Kathy, both dear friends of mine, and you know we've been friends for, for 15, 20, 15 and 20 years now and uh, enjoying our partnership with you guys. So we're looking forward to hearing from you, and glad you're here. Love you, brother. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I think the last words that, of the scripture that Nate read this morning are perfect words for a theme of hope. And those words were, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes until he comes until he comes and um, one of the great themes in the new testament is that jesus's work is not finished yet we're waiting for something else we're looking forward to something else and that's why hope is so important um, in May of 2019, I took a class from Alliance Seminary. Um, it was a special, uh, special class in spiritual formation. Uh, but instead of having to go to Nyack to take it, instead of taking it online while I was in Bosnia-Herzegovina, we met 20 of us in uh, Santiago, Spain, and then we walked a hundred kilometers of the El Camino together for a week. And um, during the time of our walk, uh, we, uh, we uh, spent time in prayer, we spent time in reflection, um, and, uh, and then in the evenings we would have classes and workshops. But uh, one, of the, one of the traditions of, of the El Camino, when you're walking the El Camino, when you come across other pilgrims, is you greet one another with the greeting, Buen Camino. Buen Camino, which means good journey, or I guess a folk way to say it in American English would be happy trails. But it's a greeting that we offer to one another. And uh, this last week, uh, I've been bell ringing uh, for the Salvation Army at, uh, at Walmart in Rome, New York. And uh, I try to give everybody a, a happy holiday or a Merry Christmas I thank everybody who, who put something into the bucket. But a few, on a few occasions, the people that passed stopped and paused and turned to me and gave me a greeting. And uh, in one case, the person looked me in, in the eye and said, be safe, be safe. And I, and I received that. And um, the other greeting that I received was, be well, be well. And I received that as well. And I thought about that when I got home. And I thought, isn't it interesting, the greetings that, that we give to one another and the ones that mean the most to us. But I think in both of those cases, there's an admission that the world that we live in is often not safe. And so quickly we can go from being well to being unwell. 
because of the economy, because of illness, because of accident or catastrophe or calamity. These greetings show our desire for something better for someone. And hope, hope is a desire for something better in the future, something that we are longing for. I mentioned that uh, when I was on the El Camino, we have a greeting for one another, which is Buen Camino. But uh, when I was practicing before, I started doing long walks in Bosnia, through the country and through the hills in Bosnia. And often I would come across uh, people that live in the village. And I would greet them. And one of my habits, uh, particularly if it's a particularly old person, to show respect, I would even take my hat off and greet them. And I remember agreeing to me. But because she didn't have many teeth, I didn't understand blessed me. It was, and I even remarked on it when I, came to, uh, when I came to church that afternoon when we were handing out food. Um, I, I, I remarked about that to, to my brothers and sisters in Christ there. And then the same thing happened to me when I was on the El Camino. Uh, I was walking with a couple of the students, and uh, as we were walking the path, a much older woman was coming toward us, and I could tell that she was a local. Uh, she wasn't a pilgrim. Uh, plus, she was going the wrong way. And, uh, uh, and so, as we passed, I took my hat off, and I said, Buenos dias. Very simple. And then she returned a greeting to us. And uh, it was a few, it was a paragraph greeting. It, it's just, she just overflowed, and she had a big smile on her face. And the only word I understood was caballeros, which I kept thinking a caballeros was like a cowboy, a horseman, but it also means gentleman, uh, I, I realized later. So she was, she was in some way thanking us for our gentlemanly demeanor that we thought to greet her. I can only imagine her living on the pilgrim way, how many pilgrims just pass by and don't say anything. Uh, and so I think she was actually quite stunned. But again, it was weird. As she was speaking her greeting to us, it was really more like a blessing. And I could, even though I couldn't understand the words, I could feel it in my soul that she had blessed us. And um, it got me thinking about when we bless one another, what are we blessing one another with? Are we blessing one another with the things that, that we in our society hold dear and love? Or do we wish to bless people with something better? Something that lasts for eternity. And that's what I believe it's, that hope is so beautiful because it causes us to look, it should cause us to look for those things in the future which are eternal. Which are eternal. I looked up hope as I was preparing, and uh, the Oxford Dictionary says, hope is the feeling or desire that things will go well in the future. Hope is the feeling or desire that will go well in the future. But then it gives some examples further down how to use hope in a sentence. And one of them was this, and I thought, did they just put this in this week? It says, now that he has become president... Many people once again have hope for genuine changes in the system. And, um, and that's true. One of the things, my mom is, every November, she's got two things on her heart. And 
depending on how those things go, she will have a happy December or she will have a depressed December. One is who wins the Ohio State-Michigan football game, and the other one is who wins in the election. Those two things, and her whole life revolves around those things. And every year, every year when I'm talking to my mom in November, end of November, December, I say, Mom, it doesn't matter who wins the football game. It doesn't matter who wins the, the governor's mansion or the White House or city council. No matter what happens with any of those things, Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus is still on the throne. And, um, and that really got me thinking that we do put our hope in the wrong things. We put our hope in the wrong things. In, in youth, we put our hope on uh, maybe a major in college or, or a college to go to. But, oh, I didn't get my first choice. We put our hope on a partner, a life partner often. And uh, either they disappoint us or life disappoints us. And uh, even if we get the part of our dreams, we discover later on that, that life is still hard. We put our hope in a certain career and then things change. But there are many false hopes that we can cling to. But there's a true hope for all of us who are brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, during this time, a lot of us will open up the Gospels and read the accounts of the birth of Jesus. And uh, many of you will open up Luke chapter 2, and you'll come across two people, Simeon and Anna. Simeon and Anna. And chapter 2, um, it says this. Um, Jesus had already been born. The 40 days had passed, and now it was time to take him to the temple. Uh, to be dedicated. And it says, And when the time came for their purification, that's uh, uh, for Mary and Joseph to go to the, uh, Mary and Jesus to go to the temple, and Joseph went with them. According to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the, in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the ch in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, now, uh, and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. It says about him that he was devout. Uh, he was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Growing up, the only time I heard the word consolation was in the context of a consolation prize. You didn't win... But we're going to kind of give you this to soften the feelings. And so consolation is often, I think, we think of it as, meh. <laughs> but here, Simeon was longing for something. He was longing for something that only God could satisfy. 
the consolation of Israel. And I think when we read the way he prophesies, uh, we see uh, what that includes. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. He's reflecting on the Old Testament promises of God, of what the age of the Messiah will look like. And he says, wow, I have seen the Messiah. That means these things are coming. So for him, consolation is is more than just feeling good. He's looking at a new world around him for his people, and not just for his people, but for the whole world. And then it says, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. That's a long time to be a widow. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. So again, there's this idea of not just her, but there were others like her who she knew that were waiting for the redemption of Israel. And after she saw Jesus, she began to tell the others about him. This is the one. He's the one who's going to redeem Israel. And we find out later in the Gospels that the Messianic hope at that time was still undefined. They didn't understand completely what the Messiah was going to do. First and foremost, they were thinking politically. The Messiah is going to raise an army and overthrow the oppressor so that, the people, so that Israel would be free again and Jerusalem would be a capital of, uh, of a nation that was dedicated to God. But we find out later, when we read further on in Jesus' own teaching, the Messiah himself has a mission that he must accomplish first. And that mission is to give himself for the sins of the whole world so that people could have a relationship with God. And so their hope, while it was true, it was not complete. And so I urge you this time of year, when you're listening to, to holiday music, when uh, you turn on the lights of the Christmas tree, take a few moments of quiet and think about what are the things you truly hope for? I know when I was young and even, and even into adulthood, I would always get excited when I knew it was a present day, like Christmas or birthday or anniversary. And um, later on, I realized that, that presents the joy that we get from presents, is, it's, it's fleeting. It passes. It's not lasting. Um, as consumers, we, if we're not careful, we can always want more and more and more. And so it's a false hope that we look forward to oftentimes at holiday times and those other times that I mentioned. But there is a true hope that is awaiting all the people of God. Those of us who are still here, on this earth, and those who have passed before us, we are all waiting for something. 
And so I urge you to reflect on that and to think about that. It says in Titus that the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to, de- instructing us to deny godliness and worldly lusts, and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The blessed hope. Um, Sometimes we've been brought up in church to think that the hope is to be suddenly taken away, like the church would just vanish and the rest of the earth would be left to fend for itself. But this here, Paul is saying the blessed hope, the hope of Christians is the glorious appearing of Jesus. And that's when Jesus comes on that day, capital T, capital D, day, that day, the, the day of judgment for, for all, but the day of vindication for many. And um, the great thing about this passage from Paul is, this is, again, Titus chapter 2. You're welcome to look at that um, when you go home if you like. While we're waiting, it shows that Jesus has already begun his redemption in us. We're living differently. He's teaching us and instructing us. The grace of God is teaching us to deny godliness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in this present age. And that word teaching is not, he has taught us like it's already done, but it's, it's something that we enjoy as long as we're on this earth. So if you grew up in a tradition that said, you will have an experience uh, of God or of Christ or of the Holy Spirit. And because of that experience, you will have arrived spiritually. You'll never struggle with sin again. Uh, this verse is saying something different. It's saying, no, we still have challenges. We still have to learn godliness and goodness and how to live in this present age. But we do it with hope with hope that one day Jesus will come. So I, I, I just wrote down a few thoughts about how do, we, how do we wait? How do we do this life in the meantime? Redemption has started. Jesus has done something phenomenal on the cross, but redemption is not finished until he comes again for all of us. Well, one of the things that I've discovered in the last few years more than ever before is fasting. Fasting. And when I've talked sometimes with Pastor Nate and others of you in the congregation, I've learned that you guys too, uh, oftentimes in January, will fast for an extended fast. I love fasting because um, it's a time where it's interesting. When you, when you set aside food, it's not just hunger that surfaces. Hunger does surface. But it's while I'm fasting that I notice the other hungers of my soul. The drive for recognition. The desire to always be right. The desire to be in control. And these are other hungers that I'm faced with while I'm fasting. And as I discover those, I can take those to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to surrender these to you. You're the one that's in control. You're the one that deserves recognition. Jesus said, 
it says in Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 18. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. People came and asked him, Why do John's disciples and the Pharisees' disciples fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, The wedding guests cannot fast while the groom is with them, can they? As long as they have the groom with them, they cannot fast. But the time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. And there are other teachings in the New Testament, particularly in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus says, just matter-of-factly, and when you fast. So Jesus anticipated that his disciples would be people who fast. And the reason here, first and foremost, is because Jesus is absent. Because Jesus is absent. Now, we have to be careful. As believers, on the one hand, Jesus is with us always. And we can know his presence in very powerful ways, in very difficult times. But on the other hand, we think to ourselves, we're going through difficult times because Jesus is not with us in fullness. And so we long for that time when we will see Jesus in fullness. And I just, I just love the picture Jesus gives. Jesus paints himself as the bridegroom. And when you go to a wedding, you go to a reception, you expect to eat. You expect to dance. You expect to drink. It's a celebration. But Jesus is saying there'll be a time when the bridegroom is taken from them and they will fast. And there are times when we experience the absence of Christ in the world or even in our own lives. And those are times when God is calling us to fast, to seek his presence even more. In addition to fasting, it's very appropriate lamenting, lamenting. I have a confession for you. When you as a church first visited us on the mission field, I was not an emotionally mature representative of Jesus Christ in Bosnia-Herzegovina because I came to Christ in America. I came to Christ um, uh, in comfort. I came to Christ in health. I never experienced serious disaster or war or calamity. And yet Kathy and I were sent to a people that experienced all those things. And we were ministering among people, many of them even to this day, suffer with extreme PTSD. And it wasn't until years later that by God's grace, again, like I said, we're learning how to live out this waiting time on earth, that God taught me the importance of laments, of laments. The Psalms are the prayer book of Jesus. And over a third of them are laments. Over a third of them are laments. And this is a prayer book that has been passed on to us for our age. So I encourage you to make the Psalms part of your devotional life. To make the Psalms part of your prayer life. And as you do, as you try to speak the Psalms with the same uh, emotion that the psalmist writes, you will find that in many cases, the psalmist is challenging you to lament 
to lament. For example, this uh, psalm, we don't think of it as a lament because we've turned it into a, a, to a, um, to a worship song. But it starts out truly as a lament, Psalm 42. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while all day long people say to me, where is your God? I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walked with many leading the festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. It starts out as a lament. He's not satisfied, the one who wrote this psalm. He's thirsting for God. And he ends with, put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. He has a thirst in his soul, which only God can solve. And he speaks that to God. Now you might look and say, the Old Testament, sure, the Messiah had not yet come. They had reason to hope and reason to lament. But now we're in a new age. The Messiah has come. We have no reason more to lament. Well, I was looking in the book of Revelation, and it's talking about the time when the, the Lamb of God is opening the seals to usher in the last days. And it, when he opens the fifth seal of the scroll, it says, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slaughtered because of the word of God and the testimony they had given. They cried out with a loud voice, Lord, the one who is holy and true, how long until you judge those who live on the earth and avenge our blood? So they were each given a white robe and they were told to rest a little while longer until the number would be completed of their fellow servants and their brothers and sisters who were going to be killed just as they had been. And so, yes, in many profound ways, Jesus' kingdom is breaking forth into the world. But in many profound ways, our brothers and sisters in Christ are losing their lives because of that same kingdom. And maybe we will also. But these are crying out because they look around and they don't see justice. They see injustice. They see cruelty. They see oppression. They experienced it themselves. And one of the things that I struggled with this last year when we were talking about the issues of race in our country. As I saw people that were immediately charged to go out into the street and say, this is wrong. And that's okay. But as brothers and sisters in Christ, our first step, our first step is to fall on our knees before God and pour out our lament to him and seek his face. It's interesting, when you look at most of the, almost all of the laments in the Psalms, except for one or two, there's a moment. There's a moment when the mood changes from a mood of hopelessness to a mood of hopefulness. And scholars have looked at that and they said, what happened here? And they call it, they, they had to give it a name. What happens 
when the psalmist, who is obviously in distress, suddenly is no longer in distress. And they called it the oracle of salvation. That's the scholar's way of saying, somehow they got a word from God that changed their mood and their circumstances. And the amazing thing about the psalms is it never says how long that lament lasted until the oracle came, until the word came which brought hope and a change of mood and a change and gave the strength to the person who was crying out to God. We don't know. One psalm, Psalm 88, starts out as a lament and it ends as a lament. There's no resolution. And I think that's a reminder to us that it's okay for us to lament. It's okay for us to pour our complaints out to God. And I say that because when I said that, uh, when I came to Bosnia, I was not emotionally mature. It's because of this. I was such an optimist. When people would come to me with struggles, my first response was, well, things are going to be better. Cheer up. I wasn't, I didn't have the depth of soul just to sit and grieve with people. But I thank God for the Psalms because they taught me how to sit and grieve with people. One of the hardest things you can do is to sit and spend time with people who suffer from PTSD and who share their experiences that happened to them during the war. In the past, I wouldn't have been able to endure it. But now I can. But now, my prayers for that person change. Now I lament for that person. And I pour out a lament to God on behalf of those people. And I think when we take the time, when we are confronted with suffering, with oppression, with injustice, when we take the time first to lament as brothers and sisters in Christ, and even as the body of Christ, then... It helps us to look to the true answer for the oppression, for the injustice, the true solution, and that is God himself. There are many other lesser solutions which we can try and which are important, but we can't put our faith in those because they will always be imperfect. Things won't be perfect until the Holy One returns. I mentioned the dictionary definition was a desire or an expectation of a better or a good future. This is definition number two. A person or thing that may be of help to save someone. Princess Leia in the little hologram that R2-D2 is beaming says to him, you are our only hope, Obi-Wan Kenobi. At that moment, that was their hope, a person. Today's day and age, we're all looking at Pfizer and AstraZeneca. This vaccine is our only hope to get life back to normal. But what the New Testament reminds us, what I love about the Advent season, is it causes us to pause and to stop and to remember that our true and only hope is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he is coming. He is our only hope. 
I would be remiss talking about hope and not sharing this story from our founder, A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance. He was a very popular preacher over 100 years ago in New York, in Manhattan. And back then, newspapers would print his whole sermon sometimes. And there would be paparazzi and press uh, outside the tabernacle on evenings and would look for quotes from him. And uh, at that time, there was a, a, a strong Adventist uh, streak going on in the church, and that is people were expecting Jesus to return at any moment. And a reporter asked A.B. Simpson, Sir, can you tell us when Jesus will return? And he looked at him and said, I will tell you right now if you promise to quote me accurately and in full. And he said, you have my promise. And he said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. He quoted to him Matthew 24, 14. In the Alliance, we talk about uh, speeding the coming of the Lord. There's a verse in Scripture that talks about speeding the day. And I believe part of that is this. Not just that we live godly lives, but that we also make Jesus' name known around the world and in our own community as well. In Jeruz our Jerusalem, our Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so we lament, we fast, we pray, and we proclaim. We proclaim Jesus when we have opportunities. And this is how we wait. And in the waiting, this is how we grow our hope. I found this benediction uh, from the Apostle Paul from the book of Romans, and I thought it was a good conclusion to our thoughts on hope. And that is, and now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Take this opportunity to sing of our hope and our salvation in Christ. To proclaim his death and resurrection until he returns once again. Father, I bless your people with hope, with love, with joy, and with the peace of Jesus Christ today. And we would find your hope, we would seek your hope in this world with all of our heart through fasting through prayer, through lament, that we would seek your face and that we would receive the reward of your promise that he who seeks you, that she who seeks you with all of their heart will certainly find you. That though they who knock with persistence, the door will be opened to them. Or that we would find you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dispersed. Go and be the church.